Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. First thing I want to point out, uh, we're both a little gunky. So you're going to hear a couple of coughs on this on this recording, this show we did. It's not the corona. It's not the corona. Not the corona. My Although corona. it's a horrible time to come down with cold symptoms because I sat there going, oh God. Yeah, do I I'm have looking it? Looking at the checklist, dry cough, some say runny nose. Um, sore. I didn't have a sore throat, so that was good. And no fever. I think the fever's the, the, the part fever that... fever and if, a sore thro- throat, they say, were the earmarks. Well, yeah. If I had a fever, I'd be like, no. Because I was around my mom and my grandparents. I, I, this was before everything kind of like, you know, hit the fan. So you get yeah. nervous with them saying that there's this two-week incubation period that you could be running around just infecting the hell out of everybody. So yeah. that's where I'm getting a little disturbed with this right now because a lot of my friends that work in retail have said they can't believe how many people are coming out to shop for things that they truly don't need right now. There's a handful of people that are probably of that nature like, eh, I'm fine, I'm not going to get this. Yeah. Or I'll just, you know, whatever, I have mild symptoms. I'm not worried about this. They're blowing this out of proportion. And it's those people that are going to continue to spread this because here in Michigan we went from like 50 cases to like 800 in like a few days. So that just goes to show you how many people now are getting tested and then it's coming up positive. And if people aren't being safe and they're being weirdos and going out and touching things and coughing on things, then well, really, I mean, I don't know. I was thinking about this earlier and we were, we talked to Joni about this, uh, Joni Mahan, who we talked to today. Um, so I, I've been going out a little bit here and there. I went out for a while, what, what we've been calling a run, like they call on the, the Walking Dead and stuff like and then that. And as you come in, I'm like, wash your hands. I took a bath. I jumped in the shower. Don't touch anything. So, but even then, <clears throat> they're saying, well, stay, stay, stay at home, stay indoors. I've been going out in the garage and doing my CrossFit well, that's, stuff. That's fine. You're in the garage. But what if somebody comes by? In a car, or they're riding their bicycle, and they cough. It's six feet. <coughs> six feet. I don't know if, like, the little virus can travel, like, do 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 I'm in the garage now. I'm going in Scott's mouth. I'm going to infect him now. I don't know if it works like that. I didn't that. know the coronavirus sang. So that's the coronavirus jingle. So I don't, I don't think they're not concerned about, like, a car driving by and someone coughing. You know, it's the six but somebody feet. coughs out the window... I don't Coronavirus comes out the window of the car. It sings. I decide to go out for a short 400-meter run. It's part of my CrossFit thing I'm doing I, Okay, that day. maybe if you do it And then I walk second. by, I do a heavy breathe inhale, and maybe, I suck in the coronavirus. May, okay, maybe because I, I really wish I could remember what state was doing this. I don't know if it was Seattle or New York or one of the areas that are, have the like stay-in-your-house mandate right now. Um, they don't even want people going out and jogging. So that says something right there. Like, Don't even go out and do your run. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you could like be in the garage and suck in some coronavirus because of some Yahoo in a car coughing with it that drives past you. I don't I gotta know. Stick my head, I, I got to stick my head out um, the door. I'm my sorry. favorite meme right now, because of course there are memes up the wazoo and I, I, it's, most of them to me aren't funny. It's just like, I don't know. It's like weird how we, we have something really bad going so and then we meme the it. Internet. I'm just sick of but social But this media. is my favorite one is that... Please check on your conspiracy friends. They are not okay right now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so true. That is I true. I am not even looking at anything conspiracy related with this virus because it's either going to just make me weird or it's just going to piss me off because it's so just inaccurate. 
And I know there's a few YouTubers out there and stuff that have been talking about this as a possible, you know, conspiracy. And it's like, no, nah, I'm not even going to go there. Conspiracy. Not even going there. Yeah, so. But that's my favorite meme. We've been, uh, like everybody else, we've been kind of cooped up in the house here. Again, I haven't been me. snacking a ton because I'm trying not to, or I'm going to come out of this like 20 pounds heavier. Yeah, I, I got to. I, like, because I'll just be bored of eating. Like, I'm mm-hmm. exercising every day, but I've been kind of, like, well, yesterday, yesterday was, but that was kind of glorious. And on, on top I, of getting a cold, what what do I do? I bend over to plug in my piano and I my back goes yeah, out. Yeah, her back went out. She tweaked her back. Yeah. And like, when I do this really good, because previous to this, I did do like two heavy walks on like a billion stairs and raked my mom's yard. And raking, if anybody has back issues out there, raking, that movement just is the worst. And so whatever I did, the muscle went, nope. And then I'm walking all crooked, my back swollen. So yeah. like for this whole week, not only do I get a, like cold. You're walking around like the elephant I can't, man for Yeah, a week. I can't even walk. Like it's, I don't even have, I can't even go do something. Like everyone's like, I'm organizing stuff in my house right now. It's just great. It's really time. It's great. It's great time. I'm like, I can't even get off the couch. Yeah. I have an ice pack on my back. I told you that a year ago on St. Patrick's Day, which was just a couple days ago, that's when I my back went out. I mean, that's when I had the major blowout. And it was funny because I did the same type of thing. I I was out hiking. I did like 26 yeah. miles of hiking that weekend. Well, all it takes is to move just right, and then your body goes But I no. came home. I came home on St. Patrick's Day. I was out hiking. No. I came home on St. Patrick's Day with the plan to just have a beer, play some video games for a little while, and go to bed because I had to work the next day. Uh, the um, universe has a different plan for you. No, I bent over yep. to pick up a box and yep. fell over it's always screaming. something stupid. The, the, the first time <laughs> I did this to my back, I tied my shoe. And that was like in 2006 or something. And that was the start of this weird muscle that likes to get strained occasionally. So anyway. I'm stronger now. So, I'm, I'm all muscles now. My okay. back, I got a strong core, so my okay. back don't hurt anymore. All right. Yep. Famous last words. I'm massive. Don't say that. I am you're so strong. Be, yep. You're going to jinx yeah, yourself. Yeah, tomorrow you're going to be screaming in yeah, the you'll garage. Be like, yeah, out. you'll be collapsed on the garage. I'll be like, eh, well. That's so we hope every, we hope everyone's being safe out there. Please be safe yeah. out there. Do the best yeah. you can. You know, we're all really we are, man. We're all in this one together. This is a no joke. This is this is, and it, this comes up in our discussion with Joni. Uh, I believe I believe a hundred percent that we are being tested right now as a race, and I really hope that we all know how to behave and do the right thing here and be heroes. Totally be heroes. Be good people. Be awesome. Uh, that's this is our moment, in my opinion, to shine. And I, I really hope that you know. Okay, I hope you got enough toilet paper now. God, God, Can we so get weird. past this bullshit? So weird. Okay, because that is to me that is the in worst. In the behavior. end, you can use a washable rag, but you need food to survive. Yeah. So. I, we are so used to our creature comforts that the thought of like I need toilet paper over food is disturbing. It is disturbing. But let's talk about something not disturbing, and that's Joni Mahan. That's our guest on the show. Yes. Uh, a great. little bit about Joni. Yeah, what a cool talk we had. Yeah. Um. So Joni has been on a search for the darkest, scariest places on the planet, and that's where you'll probably find Joni. She's a seasoned paranormal investigator and the author of 20 paranormal books, including the best-selling paranormal true story, Bones in the Basement, Surviving the S.K. Pierce Haunted Victorian Mansion, as well as Signs of Spirits When Loved Ones Visit. She also operates haunted New Harmony Ghost Walks and investigations in the town of New Harmony, Indiana, where she resides. 
Her intrigue regarding the unknown frequently leads her into dangerous situations, ones others often leave untouched. Joni has attended over 300 paranormal investigations, including many haunted hotspots such as Waverly Hills, Rolling Hills Asylum, our favorite Gettysburg, and also the Lizzie Borden House. So enjoy talking to sensitive medium Joni Mahan. We're not, they're not talking to her. We're talking to her. Oh, yeah. Enjoy listening. Just quiet. (laughs) Please enjoy our conversation Uh. with Joni Mahan. Mayhem, thank you so much for taking some time to come chat with us here tonight on Ghostly Talk. Uh, we know you're busy, so thank you. We really, really appreciate your time. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing real good. Um, we're I I, I assume that it's the same where you're at. Uh, I think you're. You said you're in Indiana, right? I am Southern Indiana. Yeah, we're we're about the same as everybody else. Just uh, everybody's. Uh, trying to quarantine as much as possible and you know survive i'm i didn't think that i'm learning this over the last week well i think i'm more of a person likes to be outside nowadays anyways but i have to at least get myself out in the garage and exercise every day just to get some fresh air because sitting in the Mm -hmm. house for this long because yeah we've been we've been held up now for like well since last friday one week yeah like a whole week and it's like you can actually i can actually feel this like it, I don't know what to call it. I don't know what the the uh, the name of it is. I guess, but I I just feel different right now. I just feel like yeah. I feel shut in. I, I that's I guess that's the word. It's, you right. feel a bit shut in. You feel a bit weird. Um, so I but I have to get out at least you know a little bit every day and just get some fresh air. Well, and Joni, didn't yeah. in our notes we have you mentioned that you had some type of nightmare about a month ago that was about the end of the world, but you felt it was something different. Um, do you think that was sort of like a prelude to what's going on now? I, I did have a dream about a week, uh, about a month before all this happened. And in the dream, uh, I came outside and the street was buckled. There was smoke everywhere. And I remember saying, everything I've worked so hard for doesn't count now. Nothing matters. The world's come to an end. Hmm. And, I don't normally remember my dreams. So when I remember one, it's really odd to me. And the feeling just would not leave me. And so I got on Facebook and I was just kind of scrolling through some of the psychic mediums that I follow. And other people were saying, yeah, something big's coming. I've been having weird dreams or something big's getting ready to happen. And I thought, well, and I talked to my friends about it and, you know, nobody really knew what to make of it. It was like, well, you know, let's just keep an eye out, you know, at least maybe we'll be prepared. And I can remember actually going out and starting to build up my supplies of food a little bit at that point. I thought, I don't know if this is true or not, but something might be happening. And and then this happened, and I don't know if it's connected or if it's not connected, but uh, it was definitely very strong feeling something was going to happen. 
it's so funny because I, I may have mentioned this on a previous show here, but that was that'd be about three weeks ago now when I, something happened. I mean, and I know I'm I'm gonna take a beating for this guy. I say this all the time about myself, but I'm as psychic as this as this this coffee cup that's in front of me right now. That's how I feel about it. But something inside me just like three weeks ago, or maybe even a little longer, said something's happening here. I mean, it was just a gut feeling, intuition, I guess. And Mm -hmm. I did the same thing. No, I didn't go out and, you know, buy a truckload of toilet paper like other people seem to be doing now. But I I did go out and say, you know what? I'm just going to buy some canned goods, some extra, just a little extra stuff here. Yeah. Just to put in the pantry. That's what I do. Just get some cans Mm -hmm. of soup, some, you know, just some extra Mm -hmm. stuff here we can hold on to, you know, in case case we're shut in for a little while. And, Mm -hmm. And I didn't go crazy, but I just did a little extra. And I bought some stuff for my parents and, and things like that. We got some extra water. It just and, and I don't know why. Because I, I said it to Amber. I'm like, um, something, I don't know, something don't feel right here. And I'm just going to prepare us a little bit, I think. Uh, and I don't know what it was still. I really don't. What, what made me think that? But here we are, as we said, right. smack dab in the middle of this thing now. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm looking around a little bit. And it don't seem like people are as hysterical as... as of course, the internet is making it out to be. Of course, the internet, well, everything's true, of course, on, on the internet, but I, I don't think people are as panicked as as they really, as it seems that they are, I guess, what people are trying to portray it as. Um, I went out a couple days ago and just to get a couple things, just a couple things at the grocery store, ran in and ran out. And it wasn't a panic. It, it wasn't a panic, it didn't seem like. But there's definitely it depends something. on where you are, too. I have a friend that manages a grocery store in Florida, and every morning when he opens up, there's about 30 uh, anxious people waiting outside. And he said right now they're being respective. And when he puts his hand up and says, you got to wait till I open the door, he said, but you can feel they're on edge. Like, you know, if this goes on much longer and they think that food supplies are going to be diminished, he said, they're going to rush the door. They're not going to wait for me to put to unlock the door. He said, you know, things are starting to get serious. So really? I think it depends on what area of the country that you're in and how panicked the people are. You're right. <laughs> you know, I, I agree. Yeah, no, I, I agree, too. I, I just was thinking that there's like a weird um, there's a different vibe with this going on where. I know on the when you look on Facebook or anywhere else, they're like, oh, you know, stay together and be happy and spread positive joy. And that's all great, but we're not going to – this isn't like 9-11, post-9-11, where people kind of seem to band together and, like, be nicer mm-hmm. to each other. Yeah. I feel like this is going to separate us even more. Like, this is going to be oh, like, yeah, stay away eating, from me. You're eating my food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's kind of um, mentality. And you might if get me get sick. and get this food, you're going to get it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and what what – terrifies me about this is i feel like this is like a prelude to seeing how just how horrible people can be because this isn't this is just something that we can contain hopefully and it will go away but in the event that we have some type of mass what i'm seeing now scares mm-hmm. me for something that's actual like for real serious yeah, yeah. so well, i i think I, I there'll be some of us coming out of here seeing now scares mm-hmm. me for something that's actual like for real serious so I, I think there'll yeah. be some of us coming out of here going, you know what? Let's keep a pantry full of food. Let's keep at least two, three weeks downstairs somewhere of non-perishables um, like my grandparents always have done. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. But that's like, I guess that's our doom and gloom. So well, well, <laughs> if you remember, uh, Joni, there was uh, Amber, you might remember it too. Uh, 2003, we had that massive blackout. I wasn't, I wasn't part of that. 
I don't know. Did you did you experience that, Joni? No. Uh-uh. No, a- that was like Detroit was as far in Michigan as it went, okay. and then that was more like the East Coast. Well, that happened. That was in 2003, and the entire power grid went down, and we were out of power for like, that was about two or three days. People were out of power. And the funny thing was, is just overnight, like the power went out. I remember coming home from work, and the power went out. And I'm thinking, okay, well, the power's out. Big deal, right? Um and then the news started, you know, we started getting news out. We had battery-operated radios, thank goodness, so we could listen to the news and stuff. And they're like, yeah, this is serious. The whole power grid went down. Overnight, literally overnight, the next day I just went for a walk uh, down one of the streets off my neighborhood. And overnight, because everything was shut down, gas stations, stores, whatever they were, they were shut down. And I remember just walking down the street and seeing all the businesses barricaded. Overnight, they had barricaded all of the businesses because they were afraid – that people were going to loot. And this was literally not 12 hours later, and people were that paranoid. And that was what, like 18 years ago, 17 years ago? Yeah. So Right, right. This is this is a bit scary. So, okay, sorry. I didn't mean to take us down that <laughs> thing, uh, the doom and gloom thing here. Let's uh, talk about being well, a sensitive we're medium. we're thinking about it. You know, it's all <laughs> out of our minds. Like, the life as we know it is not the same. No. And even, even if, you know, like people like me, I work from home anyways, it shouldn't be any different, but it is because we're watching all this go on and we're wondering, how is this going to impact me? What's going to happen to my life and what's going to happen to the people I love? And, you know, do I have the virus? I don't think I do, but I'm still staying away from my, you know, my parents because I don't want to, you know, be the one that causes them to get sick. Yeah, exactly. It's, so we're all thinking about it. It's going to change. Uh, one thing's for sure. I mean, you're right. It's changing right uh, the way we look at things right now. For a definite is going to be whatever happens with this thing. One way or the other, we come out the other. We're going to come out the other end of this thing. All different people. We're going to have a different perspective on things, like you said, Amber. I oh, think absolutely. people will be a little bit more preppers now. Like, oh yeah, yeah those doomsday oh, yeah. preppers. Hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they weren't so yeah. crazy now. <laughs> they, no, they weren't so crazy. No, they weren't. So I mean, yeah, it's it's it is. You're right. Everybody's thinking about this stuff, and it's kind of hard not to just like kind of just talk about it all the time, <laughs> like we've been doing right, around here. Right. So you are a clear audience, though. Um, and I've always, I am, yeah. yeah. And you hear tones, uh, which which you right. say is a, like a, a gateway into obtaining more information, uh, mind pictures, right. general knowledge, things like that. I want to let's let's dive into this a little bit. I want to talk about this because when you that, let's let's talk about the tones first off. These tones that you hear, I mean, is there any way you can describe what these tones are? Oh yeah, I'm hearing one right now, so it's pretty easy to describe. Uh, they're different for different uh, frequencies, different pitches. Mm-hmm. Some are high, some are low. Um, they're almost, they're not like a pure bell-like sound. Uh, when I do hear those, I know that that means that it's someone from the light, which is usually like a spirit guide or maybe a relative coming to check on me. But your standard everyday ghost has a lower vibration and their sound sounds like air shuffling, almost like um, static or white noise. And Within that, there's different different pitches, though. Sometimes they're high, sometimes they're low. And if I tune into them, it's, you know, it's I can tell you male or female just by listening to the tone without going any further. But if I decide to find out more, I'll tune into it. Like, I'll just focus on that sound. And then just all of a sudden, I'll start getting information, usually a mind picture or words or something of that nature. So these are, this, this information you're receiving, it obviously isn't like, phrase it isn't like 
like paragraphs or sentences of information. Like you said, it's mind pictures or maybe just words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just an overall feeling of their intent. Like I can, I immediately get a sense of whether this is something I should be concerned about or if this is somebody that needs help, which in my case, most of them are looking for something. They want some sort of help. They, they're asking for something, and I don't always know what they want, but, um, you know, I can tell the difference between they're going to hurt me and they want help. Oh, okay. and there are malevolent ones here. I mean, what you just said, I mean, there is, is there are, is that we've oh, heard yeah. this, we've heard this idea a lot of that there are spirits still out there that, yeah, they, they're not here to do good things. They're not here. They don't want help, like you said. Um, what kind of stuff can they do, though, that's so bad, though, it seems like? That's the question I've been thinking about, is what what could they do to you that's bad? Uh, they can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, I just finished uh, my 20th book, Hanover Haunting, and in that book, I mean, she was, you know, haunted by ghosts that were uh, very high level and able to uh, manipulate their environment to the point where she got pushed down the stairs at one point and broke her tailbone, could have broken her back. She was pinned to the bed another time. Um, you know, they can do, if they're able to manipulate their environment and have learned how to do that, then they can do a lot of things. Um, I've had a lot of negative experiences over the years. Um, you know, I'm a ghost magnet, so they follow me. And uh, it seems like, I feel like I've raised my vibration to a point where I'm not pulling in the really dark, cre- dark and creepy ones anymore seems like I'm pulling in more uh, more women and more people that just looking for help. So that's good because the dark, creepy ones. Um, as a sensitive, they don't have to pound on the walls. They don't have to show themselves. If they know that you know they're there, that's enough sometimes. And that's why it's so hard to explain the fear to other people. But they just send you so much anxiety and so much fear and you know that they're there and you know that they're glaring at you and that at any moment they could do something really nasty or evil and they don't have to actually do it because the fear is what they feed off of. So they get you agitated and they get you scared and then it's like a buffet for them. I I know that a lot of times people like to focus on the negative um, and it's, it's, disturbing to think that there's energies out there that deliberately want to do you harm that you could just be in a random place okay so i guess that made me think of this you've been to places like waverly hills rolling rolling hills asylum gettysburg lizzie borden so now that these popular paranormal tourist destinations do you feel that there is a danger in these locations for just the average tourist going to visit that they can somehow be impacted and not even realize it that it's something that's like an energy that's there. Oh, definitely. I think that uh, people don't really understand the ramifications of a really nasty, negative ghost or entity. Uh, they can get into your head. They can get. They can start to manipulate things. Um, going to these places could make it much easier, but you can also pick them up just anywhere. Because they don't just hang out at, you know, the tourist right. places. They're in the grocery stores, in the restaurants, they're in people's houses. And uh, I had a situation where a woman contacted me a few years ago, and um, she had read a few of my books, and she said, you know, I think my daughter has an attachment. And she used to be a vibrant, bright, 
artist and young woman and was, you know, just loving life. And then uh, over the period of like a month, she said her whole personality changed. She become reclusive. She was sitting inside with the blinds pulled and wasn't doing art and was really negative towards everybody and wouldn't talk to anybody. And um, so, you know, what we ended up learning was that the daughter did, in fact, have not one but three attachments. And once those were removed, uh, within days, she was back into the light and she was back, you know, moved out of the apartment, got a got her job back and started doing art and went back to school. And, you know, so everything changed. So I think it's invisible and it's hard to pinpoint. It's hard to see. Uh, unless you're somebody who's capable of seeing these things. And, you know, once they're removed, you know, life goes back. But you have to wonder how many people out there that are negative, nasty, doing bad things um, are being in- influenced yeah. by something that you can't see, which just, is really scary. I was just going to, I was just thinking that, like, there's people all over this planet, all, you know, not too far away from where we're sitting right now, that are just not nice people. They do bad things. Maybe they, maybe they don't necessarily do bad things, but they're just not pleasant people, right? I know a lot of people that Mm -hmm. they're productive people of society, but they're really just not pleasant people to be around. You just don't like them that much. Um, So, I mean, I think, I think it comes in all different shapes and sizes and colors when it comes to that. But I wonder if it, if this is the problem, like (coughs) if they um, really are, they're being inhabited by something, there's something influencing them that they don't know about. Well, and and our are Jody, do you feel that there's certain people more susceptible than others? Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, I think um, I think like attracts like. So I think people that are kind of doom and gloom all the time have a lower vibration, and they're the ones that are going to be more attractive to these things. Um, you know, and I, you know, I think years ago, maybe I was a little bit more negative. And when I realized the whole concept of vibration and being a positive person and trying to keep your vibration high, really brings good things to yourself like the law of attraction you start to see good things happen because like attracts like and therefore i stopped you know bringing home the really nasty dark ghost and i started bringing home you know more just people that needed help um so yeah i think that some people are definitely more susceptible than others but you know then you see the people like this art student that you know picked up three nasty ones so I think they are definitely attracted to people who are sensitive, who are able to detect spirit energy and know there's ghosts nearby because they they like that fact that you know they're there. Uh, I feel like we glow or something about us stands out to them and makes us more attractive to them to begin with. When you were little, did you hear the tones when you were little and just think this is like normal, everyone hears these? Yeah, I remember being as young as like, five or six and hearing the tones for the first time and with the tones comes a knowledge it comes a feeling that somebody's watching you so I immediately associated it with somebody was there that I couldn't see but um, when I would bring this to my parents attention they said you know there's no such thing as ghosts Joni go back to sleep of course and so I did start to tune it out and um tried not to, you know, I just, I kind of lost faith in what it was. I just didn't understand. And I think, you know, we put on paranormal blinders when things become too difficult. We're able to tune out of these things. So a good portion of my life, I would hear them sometimes, but I wouldn't really pay attention. I didn't know. I thought maybe I just had tinnitus or I thought I was hearing, 
um, a frequency that everybody else couldn't hear. I thought maybe I just had really good hearing. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, and I would ask people, do you hear that? And they'd say, hear what? And so I think I was, you know, probably in my maybe mid-20s before I really started paying any attention to it. And I was in my mid-40s before I embraced it. Because when once I started realizing what it was, and I was having a lot of paranormal experiences all throughout my life, so they were definitely finding me, uh, whether I wanted to believe it or not, they were still finding me. But by the time I reached like my 40s, I thought, you know what, I need to know what this is all about, because I keep having these horrible experiences. And that's when I started working with psychic mediums and other mediums and really started developing my abilities. And it became far stronger. You said that you've had a ghost go right through you. I want I, I want to hear yeah. all about this. Um, I guess <laughs> the first question the first question is what did that feel like? <laughs> I'm sure that's the most well, obvious question. But what the I, hell? Go ahead. I was at Rolling Hills Asylum up in upstate New York, yeah, and um, yeah. a friend of mine owns it, and I have been up there numerous times, and it's always a good place to go and really have an experience. And the ghost. Um, I don't think they're really that negative. It feels like more of a safe asylum, if that makes any sense. But um, I was just starting to play with my abilities. And I had learned that when we weren't having act a lot of activity, like they weren't talking to us on our equipment and stuff, that if I really listened in, if I honed in on the tone that I was hearing, that I could pull them in. And, and all of a sudden, the tone would get louder if I started paying attention to it. And so I was playing with it, and all of a sudden, the tone got louder and louder. And then I saw this snake of smoke slithering across the ground towards me, and then it shot straight through me. And when it came into my body, it was like I took a breath, but I didn't take a breath. It was icy cold. It was like my body was full. And then it shot out the back of me. And I went into sheer panic mode because I thought, oh, my God, it's still in me. You know, and I was, yeah. you know, kind of dancing around and, you know. Um, <laughs> like when a bug lands know, on you. I'm just like, how do, you know, how do I make sure that doesn't ever happen again? Because it was very uh, disturbing. <laughs> yeah. No. No, thank you. No. I, 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 <laughs> I kind of I want stuff like that to happen, yet I don't. Like, I want to experience it just once or something or, you know, I don't know. But then when it happens, people yeah. are like, well, yeah, okay, that's not what I wanted. Well, the thing about that, though, too, I believe, I personally believe that, I don't know about you, Joni, how you felt about that, but that's something that you obviously didn't expect to happen. And No, no, of course not. When it happens, <laughs> um, you, you, you're just, it's going to happen so quick, I think, that you're not even going to know well, it. No, no, one's <laughs> ever, know. no one's ever ready for a paranormal experience because they just, they seem to happen when you're least expecting it. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. you know, if you're an actual investigator and you got your, t you know, typical arson of equipment, you turn it all off, then stuff happens. Uh, it just seems to be how it goes. Um, so when it comes to like these freaky encounters, you're in Los Angeles, you're filming for a documentary. And you actually have something in an Airbnb that was one of your scariest encounters. What was that? What happened? Oh, it was it was really um, a lot of things that happened to me or anybody really. You can find some kind of explanation for it. You can say, oh, you know, that sound, maybe the house is settling or maybe there's a branch scraping against a window. But what happened to me was so in your face and so dramatic 
there was no discounting it, no explaining it. So the setup is um, these two guys that I used to write for, they ran a website called um, The Ghost Diaries. Okay. And I would write articles for them for years. And they decided that they wanted to film a documentary about the Elisa Lamb case. And um, since they knew me, they, they hired me in as their paranormal expert. So they flew me into L.A., and uh, we were all going to meet at an Airbnb. And I had never flown into L.A., <laughs> LAX especially. I had never taken um, an Uber, and I had never stayed in Airbnb. So my anxiety was pretty high <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got into LAX. And That's understandable. So it was nighttime. Yeah. And we were all meeting at the hotel, or meeting at the Airbnb, so nobody was at the airport to meet me and help guide me through this and... So we get to the, I get to the Airbnb and everybody got in about the same time. Everybody was exhausted. It was really late, and uh, we ended up just pretty much, you know, saying hi and then going to bed. And I had my own room, and it was a really just nice room. Um, unfortunately, there was no plug for my cell phone right by the bed. The only open plug was on a dresser right by the door on the other side of the bed. So I didn't even have my phone next to me, and. Just to preface this, I've had so many really horrific paranormal encounters that I probably for the rest of my life will sleep with a nightlight on or some <laughs> kind of light because when I wake up, I need to know what's in my room. Uh, I need to know there's not something hovering over the top of me because I've had that happen too many times to trust the darkness. So I uh, I left the nightlight or the nightstand light on next to me. So the room was actually pretty well lit. And I have um, a sleep mask that I wear so that I can actually sleep. And I whip that thing off if I think anything's going on. Mm. And I'm laying there sleeping. And all of a sudden, I felt something shift and move on the bed. And I woke up and pulled my sleep mask off. And the comforter on my bed was being suspended from the ceiling mm. right by the foot oh, of my on. bed. Like It looked Ugh. like one hand was holding it up, the whole thing up by the ceiling. And... Oh. I, <laughs> yeah, that was really scary. Um, and as a paranormal investigator, I mean, I would like to think that one of my first reactions would have been to grab my phone and no, start a video on that. Um, no. But my phone was on the other side of the room. Of course. And I'd have to walk around that to get to it. So what I ended up doing, and I don't know, this might have been what I would have done anyway. <laughs> I yanked it down. Because I, it was like my first reaction was to make it go away because it was terrifying yeah. seeing it sitting, seeing it hang there, and so it fell and landed on the with a plop at the end of the bed, and so I'm standing there and I'm just staring like, oh my god, if it can do that, what else can it do? Right. And yeah. all of a sudden, the closet door behind me slammed shut. Like I didn't even know it was open. It was like a loud slam, like somebody put their weight into it. And I probably let out a little scream. Um, but here I am. I just met these guys. I mean, I've been writing for them for years, but I didn't really know them. And I thought, what am I going to do? Am I going to go wake everybody up and tell them, you know, point to the covers at the bottom of my bed and yeah. say, look what happened? Then we're all awake. And I thought that's not going to change anything. It's not going to help. And I've, you know, had to handle a lot of these situations by myself for years anyways. Um, you know, I've been... I've been divorced for like 15 years and I just, uh, I've had to live through every one of these all by myself. I've not had somebody there to handle it with me. So 
I did what I do. I just sucked it up and I laid in bed pretty much all night awake, trying to read, trying to stay awake because I was terrified. What else is going to happen? If it can manipulate those covers, can it grab a knife from the kitchen or can it strangle me or, you know, are they going to wake up the next morning and I'm dead and they don't know what happened to me? So that was my, it was a pretty realistic What was the case you were looking at? You said Lisa Lamb? Yes. What what was Uh, that story? Yeah, she was a Canadian tourist that disappeared. Uh, She was on vacation in L.A. and she stayed at the... uh, Cecil Hotel, which is known as the Suicide Hotel because a lot of people have died there. In fact, Richard Ramirez, the yeah. night stalker, stayed there while he was murdering people. And oh, then nice. the Australian um, serial killer, who was a copycat of Richard Ramirez, stayed there as well. So there's been a lot of deaths, a lot of murders. Um, they wanted me to walk around the Cecil. We couldn't get inside because it was closed for renovations, but they wanted me to walk around outside and see what I picked up. And what's really interesting is we did, in fact, go to the Cecil the very next day. And the tone that I was hearing in my room that night when the covers were suspended from the ceiling was exactly the same tone I felt when we got to the Cecil Hotel. Mm. So I really feel like whatever evil was there, knew I was coming and didn't want this documentary to be filmed and uh, was trying to intimidate me. This is the side of this that we don't talk about very much, I don't think, because I think we spend a lot of our time on this show, at least, saying to people, look, ghosts aren't going to hurt you. People are. (laughs) That's what I've been saying for years. You know, don't worry about the dead. Worry about the living. Uh, Ghosts can't hurt you. But there is this side that you're that you're explaining right now that this there is this there there is this anxiety like and you're in logically thinking about that, Joni, uh, if something can has enough power to lift a comforter off a bed in front of you, what else can it do? And I never right. I, I don't yeah. think about that very much when it comes to this stuff. And that that's kind of scary because we're talking about an invisible force here. You have no control over this. None of us do. So, I mean, is I guess the question for that would be, is there something you can do to, to, to possibly battle this or, or try to curtail it? You say you're a, you know, you're a ghost magnet on these type of things. And I, is that, I don't think that's something you can really control, right, Joni? I try not to. I mean, I'm a positive person, and I would love to believe that all the ghosts out there were all full of love and light. You know, the town I live in now, uh, New Harmony, Indiana, has a lot of ghosts, and they're all pleasant. You know, I've not run into anything negative. So... It's not like I'm all doom and gloom about the paranormal. I think ghosts are like people. You have good people, you have bad people. And when they die, not much changes. So uh, it just depends on your experiences and what's happened to you, you know, whether you're going to encounter one or the other. Uh, And I have encountered both. And I've had so many horrific experiences, especially in the beginning when I started developing my abilities. That was when I was really getting the nasty ones. And, um, I really didn't have any protection in place. I didn't think about that. I was just so intrigued by this cool new toy that I discovered that I didn't think about what happens if something really bad follows me home. Yeah. And I got myself into some really precarious situations where I was looking for help and didn't have it readily available. I do now. Um, and so I, uh, you know, I, and I am working, I think I've gotten a lot better about, protecting myself than I used to be. What works for most people does not always work for me. Yeah. 
I, I had of a severe case. So uh, I have a shaman friend in Virginia who works uh, and helps me, and he's able to work remotely. And he will take away the really nasty ones. And, you know, it's like magic. They're gone instantly after he's done his thing. So thank God for Michael Robichaud, or I would probably be in a rubber room somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So on a daily basis, or when you happen to go out into these places uh, that may have uh, negative entities, what are your daily protection techniques that that you employ? Well, I ground and shield every day. And it's part of my routine, just like brushing my teeth <laughs> uh, when I'm in the showers, when I when I do my grounding. And, you know, grounding, you guys, I'm sure, are very well versed on that. But you release all energy that doesn't serve you. And uh, having the shower pouring down on your head, it helps you visualize the negative energy or excess energy going down to the drain. And then after that, after I feel like I'm as good as I'm going to get, I uh, imagine a white light bubbling around me, and uh, that's my shield. And I just reinforce it with light and, um, you know, do a little prayer, and um, I do it every day. And it does seem to help um, bounce them off of me. But also I think, you know, the biggest thing for me was really back to that vibration thing. I think everything in this world vibrates. And it vibrates at a different rate. And like attracts like, like I said before. So if you're vibrating at a higher rate, uh, you're going to be almost invisible to the darker, lower vibrations. So since I've been really focusing on that, I have not been bringing home as many, you know, every once in a while I'll come in contact with something that sees me and follows me. But most of the time it, that stopped a couple of years ago. One of the things I'm really interested in is the connection between a lot of different entities and including our uh, big lovable Bigfoot. And where a lot of people have seen UFO things, they'll report maybe all of a sudden seeing a lot of cryptid creatures in the area. There's there's a lot of connections between ghosts, UFOs, um, cryptids and stuff like that that people don't really always um, make. And, and, and well, I think that it's that's been kind of. Bubbling we've, up a lot yes, in the we've last been talking, few years. We've been talking about this a lot on our show recently with some of our guests, just these these paranormal connections. Um, writer, researcher, extraordinaire John Keel, um, his his books have been kind of coming back into vogue again, and he's one of those writers back from the 60s, 70s that was making all these connections. But now you, as a kid, actually remember or witnessed seeing a Bigfoot. What did it look like? I mean, what what did you think when you saw this? Uh, yeah, and I, you know, really didn't start talking about that for a long time, uh, just because right, yeah. I was, when you're already <laughs> talking about seeing ghosts, right. you don't want, you add another level of crazy yeah, to it. Yeah, poor you Bigfoot know? always gets, I, mean, I didn't even yeah. talk about the ghost for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I thought, God, people are going to think I'm nuts if I start telling them yeah. I saw Bigfoot too. And then I was just like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, this happened to me. I'm not going to hide it. So when I was eight years old, um, this happened in southern Indiana, and uh, my dad owned 40 acres, and there were some fields and a lot of woods, and I had a big hollow tree that I used to love to hang out by. And uh, I was out playing in my hollow tree, which was pretty deep in the woods, um, and all of a sudden I heard something rustling on the hillside next to me, which was about 500 feet away. It wasn't that far. 
And I looked up and I saw, I could see something through. It was, the trees were still bare. It was, I remember it being Groundhog Day, uh, but I was barefoot, so I don't know. Maybe that part, either of that, or it was a really warm day. But um, it, something was going through the trees on the other side of the hill, and I could catch glimpses of it. I could see the color first. It was like the color of an Irish setter. And I could see that it was really tall. And then as it came through uh, clearing, I got a really good look at it. And it was about seven feet tall, really skinny, long arms, uh, long legs, and long hair, like, you know, that uh, golden retriever color. And all of a sudden, it stopped. It was running. It was hopping sideways like an ape does, kind of, kind of shuffling sideways. Yeah. And as it saw, it stopped, and it saw me, and I saw it. We locked eyes, and then I just bolted. I took off running out of those woods. And uh, my dad uh, had several acres of um, land that he farmed, and he was on his tractor. And I tracked him down in the middle of the field, <laughs> running and screaming. And he was just agitated that I'd stopped him from his plowing. He didn't believe me. He was like, he didn't even go look. You know, it was like, <laughs> you know, you've got a really good imagination, Joni. Just go back home. You know, so I was definitely nobody ever believed anything I said back then <laughs> uh, when it came to that stuff because it was out of the norm. I mean, who would, you know, think Bigfoot's out in your woods? Um but years later, I think, you know, a lot of years later, I think I was in my 30s when the Internet first um, was readily available. And uh, I became interested in what Troy Taylor does. And I was yeah. watching his website and reading his books. And so I finally gathered up the nerve. This is long before I wrote my first paranormal book. Uh, and I emailed him and I told him my story. And he said, yeah, in the uh, early 70s, there were thousands of cases in southern Illinois and southern Indiana. He said, I'm certain that you did see something. So it really validated my experience and made me feel a little less crazy. But I know what I saw. You know, I, I can't, there was nothing that it could have been other than what I saw. And it makes you wonder, with, with you being sensitive already, because there's theories out there, too, that if Bigfoot isn't a just flesh and blood creature that it's some type of interdimensional being things that kind of which is why they just disappear suddenly that all of a sudden mm -hmm. with your abilities you're out in the woods and like you see it it sees you it's like oh crap it sees me that one that one works right <laughs> crap you know boom run away um yeah. it's and yeah did, were there any other signs like besides seeing it did you hear things or, or was there a foul smell or anything or you just flat out just saw it I just saw it. I heard, well, I heard, I heard it moving through the woods. That okay. was the first indication. So it was, you know, it was making the trees move. Um, but, you know, so it was a physical shape. Uh, I could hear its feet crunching in the leaves. Yeah. I didn't hear any sounds it made, and I was too far away to smell anything. Um, so really just sight and sound, but that was enough. <laughs> and I do believe I, I have, you know, I like your theory on the interdimensional. Um, I think that that has a lot of possibility. Yeah. So yeah, that know, would explain, explain why no bodies ever been found. Exactly. And that's the number one reason for that, that I, that I'm, I'm cause well, I, I remember when I first heard that idea, I'm like, are you people out of your mind? really come on but when you think about it in those terms though like they we've never found a body ever 
people I know, claim well, they have, but they. I they, know they people really like say. to say, "Well, you don't walk around the woods and find deer corpses everywhere and all that stuff because you know nature takes care of it and eats it and da da da." da. But you, we we have well, you're fossil, also not you're also well. I mean, we have fossil records of previous animals. So you would think, like, if this right. thing has been around for a while, there would be maybe something in the fossil record. Um, I, I don't know. Right. It's a weird one. Well, it, like, if a deer, a deer expires in the woods, of course, like you said, the elements take care of the deer. Yeah. You're not necessarily going to be looking for a dead deer carcass. What you're going to most likely find is you're going to find, depending on how long this we're talking about here, it's going to be bones that are under the brush now. I mean, it's going to be, it's just going to go back to the earth like they say, right? Sure. So, <coughs> sorry guys. Um, it's something you're not necessarily, it's going to be not going to be that easy to find, I think as far in your, but yeah, it seems like over all this time though, a fresh, not a fresh carcass. There's people that claim they have fur samples and the fur okay. samples don't, they come up as something completely it's not human. It's not any of our other well, ape creatures. Yeah. But, I mean, again, I don't know. I, I always have that, like, slight 1% distrust of those people saying that. Like, I want to believe them fully, but there's always, like, oh, I don't know. What if they're just making it up? That's the bad thing yeah, about, like, yeah. that kind of science. But I, I don't know. It's fascinating yeah. to me. I, I really feel like Bigfoot's kind of coming into his own now, finally. <laughs> like, he's going to get his the credit, you know, <laughs> where credit's his, due. He's going to get his due. Yeah, like, he's not just going to be the lonely, like, outcast in the paranormal because – just like the UFO people and the Bigfoot people, like they always seem to get like just mocked the most, and, and Bigfoot especially so. And and both of those are coming into the well, public. Well, you got people that are really starting to put some time into this. They're wanting to do some serious research on it finally. And I think I think cryptozoology in general is kind of always, and I don't, I mean this with the utmost respect. I think it's always been kind of more of a dare I say, hobbyist sort of thing. I mean, you well, have the serious the, researchers, you the have the authors. The yeah, you have the authors and people out there, of course. But I think a lot of people that are involved with it, they're people that just kind of go out in their Jeep and they go cruising around looking around for stuff. It isn't some organized thing where you, like with, with ghost hunting and stuff like that, I think there's a lot more organization now. There's a lot more groups that are involved for better or for worse. And there's a lot more, I, I hate to use this term, money behind it. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like there was always a, there was right. always a lot of money behind um cryptozoology especially for big people that are out there you know uh looking for looking for a sasquatch looking for bigfoot yeah, i swear the most money's been put into the loch ness monster yeah and that's <laughs> you know and they've yeah. kind of figured out that it might be what was it a big eel there yeah. was a very like they found dna in loch ness that was like this this all these years it could have been a giant eel sighting which is still cool very cool and would explain a lot yeah. what people yeah. have seen yeah yeah. Super, yeah super cool um a hot topic for me for many years Joni has been synchronicities it's one of the things you mm -hmm. threw at us and said yeah we could talk about this and I'm really happy you did because while I I've spent a lot of time trying to understand synchronicities you're a big believer in this you say I'd like to understand why you're a big believer in synchronicities I think that the more you pay attention to them the more you get and I really feel like, uh, for me, my aspect is that my spirit guides or my spiritual allies that guide me through this life help me by sending them to me. And I pay attention to them. If something happens and it seems too profound, I don't believe in coincidence. I think everything uh, happens for a reason. I think people come into your life for a reason, and I pay attention to that, too. When I meet somebody and I have an unusual reaction... Um, I pay attention to that, and, and yeah. it really helps lead and guide me. 
to different aspects. Like um, I spent 30 years in Massachusetts um, and things were starting to fall apart there. Uh, nothing was working right. And just little things kept coming up and I kept getting the inkling to move back to my home state of Indiana. And I really, um, I can remember when I was um, really at the crossroads trying to make that decision, I was driving and a uh, huge um, bald eagle swooped down over the path where I was driving, landed on a branch and watched me drive under him. And that was the first time I had ever seen a bald eagle. I didn't even know they were indigenous to the area that I was in in Massachusetts. And uh, so I immediately, I thought that must mean something. And, um, you know, I like to look up animal totems and things of that nature. And basically what it said was if, if an eagle crosses your path, it means that you're going to uh, soar above your problems and uh, to follow your heart. And that really there was one of the things that helped me make my decision to end up moving to Indiana. And once I moved here, everything would everything began to build for me. And I was able to start this great business where I do ghost walks here in the town and mm-hmm. met a lot of great people. Everything has just been as bad as things were getting in Massachusetts. They're better here. Everything's great. And I'm in the right place and where I need to be. And I really feel like I'm here because I watched all those synchronicities, all those little nudges that were helping me to get where I needed to be. Yeah, I find myself, the older I'm getting now, being a bit more carefree. I think the big thing with synchronicity, one of the things that I think people fight with that or one of the lessons you can learn is try not to control things too much, right? Right. And I've spent, I've made a career... (laughs) out of keeping my arms around everything, every aspect of my life, trying to control everything to the point where, you know, Mm -hmm. Amber yells at me about that. I've had other friends yell like, dude, you're trying to control things too much. Just calm the hell down. You're going to kill yourself doing Mm -hmm. this stuff. Uh, And I've gotten myself, I think, to a point, and I'm I'm at an age now where I'm more comfortable just kind of going, you know what, let's just just see what happens here. Uh, You know, because I think what's what the problem with that, though, is when you spend your life being the person with all the answers because you're the person that's in control of everything. I'm finding Mm -hmm. people come to me now for answers and I'm like, I don't have any answers for you. I haven't looked at it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So people are like, what the hell's wrong with you? I'm like, well, no, because I'm just kind of going with this. I've been being told to just kind of like let it go. Let this thing just kind of happen. And that's what I'm Mm -hmm. doing now. Right. Um, I know there's things I've, I've experienced in my life just like you where I'm 100% convinced that these were not weird coincidences that happened. They were things that happened for a reason to to guide me a certain way. It's very Mm -hmm. difficult, I think, for people to try to understand what this, you know, what synchronicity or synchronicities are. For example, it's, and it's, it's a hard pill to swallow for some, like a a friend of mine uh, about a year and a half ago, accidentally uh, saw the top part of his hand off, yeah. like his fingers and everything. Like he was at, he worked in a wood shop and he accidentally, his hand got jammed into something and the saw just came up and took from his knuckles up on his right hand, took his, took, took his hand. Right now mm-hmm. he, he had surgery. They reattached his hand and he's been going through the arduous process of building himself back up again and getting, you know, he'll never be the same of course, cause that's pretty traumatic. Uh, but he's working on it, right? And I remember having a conversation with another friend of ours who mentioned that we, and his name came up, and he's like, man, and our our friend is, 
he lost his hand. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's really crappy, man. It's really crappy, and I really feel bad for the guy, and I'm here to support him. But I think that may have happened for a reason. <clears throat> and my friend was like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I think it may have happened for a reason. I mean, I know it sounds horrible to say that, and it's, it's, it's horrible given that that's probably one of the worst things that can ever happen to you. But I think that may have happened for a reason, that he needed to be guided somewhere else. Right. Of course, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. friend was like, that's a bunch of crap. That's, that's ridiculous. Nobody should ever right. have to go through something like that. I'm like, I agree 100 percent. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. But something I believe something happened that happened to him for a reason to, to get him out of the, the path of something that may have been a lot worse. Like maybe he could have fallen right. into a machine and, and kill. And he's got two kids and a wife. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they could mm-hmm. his kids could have been, you know, could have not been not had a father. It's things like that. I think about with synchronicities and things like that. I think that there's a path that you're on. um, And yeah, there are no coincidences. It's all happening for a reason, I think. Bottom line, it's as simple as that. And I think it's a fascinating, fascinating idea. Yeah, I've talked to people um, about it. I actually wrote, I've written 20 books, so I've covered about every topic. But one of my books, Spirit Nudges, I talk about synchronicities quite a bit and uh, how things are almost like a domino effect and uh, you tip over one domino and it falls into the next, into the next, and eventually you get to a place where you're supposed to be. And you think about things like, um, you know, uh, and I think we've all had this happen to us where you can't find your car keys and you're running late and you end up oh, yeah. getting to where you're going to get. And then you find out there was a major car accident or something traumatic happened that you would have been right in the thick of if you would have had your keys in your hand. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we've all had these things happen and I think some of us latch onto it and we watch it and we think, okay, well this happened for a reason. Other people don't even notice it or they don't acknowledge it. And I will always be one of those people that notices it. Uh, And I pay attention to things like that. Like if I can't find my car keys, I'm thinking, okay, is there a reason why I'm supposed to be late? And so I'm watching. I'm more diligent, more vigilant, you know? So yeah. no, I don't it, know if that makes me safer or scarier. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, if you do, and I'm the same way, I really do. I have my arms around that idea. I'm always looking at synchronicities. And even though I still flip out and have my temper tantrums here and there, I, I think it does kind of calm me down a bit. Because, yeah, when something does happen now, I do keep that in my mind. That, okay, look, this is not fun right now, but it's happening for a reason. You're being tested. You're being put through something here. Go with it. Mm-hmm. Work with it. Don't get frustrated and start screaming and yelling. And, 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 I, and I still do. <laughs> I'm, I'm far from perfect, but I'm still working on it. And I think that's something that I think if, I wish more people would acknowledge this idea. They would spend more time with mm-hmm. this because I think it would, it would help people. <clears throat> I'm sorry, guys. Um, I think it would help people with their daily lives and not f- make them feel like they're so stuck. Okay, so you got into a car accident. You got into a car accident. You know, I I know the first car accident that I ever got into, for example, um, you know, it was just a little fender bender, but I was 16 years old. I knew everything. I had the world in the palm of my hand and nobody could ever hurt me. And when I had a, when I had a little fender bender, it scared me. It scared me really bad. I'm like, wow, this is really freaky. That That's scary. And <laughs> I think it's that I was put on that path right there to go, okay, dude, your mind ain't right. You're, this is something that has to happen to you to get your mind right. Simple as that, mm-hmm. right? And not right. not let you get it's killed. A wake up call. It's a wake up call. Not let you get killed, right? And I think this right. is. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm keep coughing. I'm sorry. Um, I think that's 
if people weren't so stuck with it, well that was my point is i know a lot of people probably would get into a car accident and say oh my god my life's over and they would just be wallowing in that misery of that thing i've seen people do it mm-hmm. i see people still do it and i'm like look man well, and people yeah i know a lot of people that are in situations in their life where everything's bad like they hate their job they hate where yeah. they live you know just bad things keep happening to them and you know i've try to convince them that that means you're not on the right life path. When everything's hard and everything's difficult, that means you need to make a change. The universe is telling you that you're not in the right place by making everything difficult. So don't sit there and wallow in it. Exactly. You know, look at, see, how can I change this? Where am I supposed to be right now? Yeah. And uh, and if you listen to that, you take that leap of faith, and it's not easy. Let me tell you. Scary. Um, I gave up everything in Massachusetts, and... I had almost no money, and I managed to make it to New Harmony uh, by a wing and a prayer and got <laughs> set up here. And then everything opened up for me. It was like, okay, I am where I need to be. And now all the blessings are starting to come to me that weren't coming to me in Massachusetts. So yeah. I just think you have to watch this, and you have to not accept your reality uh, or pay attention to the signs and know that you know somebody's trying to tell you something, yeah. and you got to listen. You do have to listen, a hundred percent, and that's, and not just wallow. Like I said, that's my big thing. As I see people with that, that's the biggest mm-hmm. problem I see. <coughs> I am, I am so tired of coughing. Well, even um, with, I just have to ahead. say this because I thought this was kind of a cute synchronicity. Just as we're talking here, you want to get out of Massachusetts and you leave to a place called New Harmony. Like, right. yeah, New I'm Harmony. Like, of all the city names, like that's perfect. Yeah, it is. So yeah, well, and I was drawn to this town. I'm telling you that it was not an accident. I've never lived in New Harmony before. I lived in towns nearby. Uh, I was, it, it was, I was focused on this. And, you know, something kind of interesting, too, is uh, about five years before I actually decided to move back to Indiana, I came back for a visit and I took a historical tour of the town. And I went back and wrote a uh, fictional trilogy based on, loosely on this town. And uh, and then, you know, here I am years later actually living here and people will read that book and they go, oh, that's cool. You wrote a book about your town. I'm like, yeah, I wrote that book five years before I even thought about moving here. So how <laughs> crazy is that? that is the- so that was another synchronicity. You know, it was another sign. It was another pull. So yeah. I'm where I need to be. But, you know, this ties us, this ties us all up because where we're at right now, where we started with this conversation, for example, where we are right. as people. And I, and I, and I, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. I hear people like, ah, blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm like, okay, man, look, we're be, you're being tested right now. <coughs> okay. My voice right, is shot. Right. We're being tested <laughs> right now as a people. I think I believe that, that there's something happening yeah. as a race of people. And I heard, a, I, I was uh, a, a YouTuber that I enjoy his channel. He said that he's like, you know, he's like, we finally come to something. I think where we're all kind of going to be looking at each other the same way because this coronavirus that's out there, it don't matter who you are, where you're from, color your skin, all that stuff. It doesn't discriminate. It, it don't discriminate whatsoever. So he's like, I've already noticed, this guy's from England, he's like, I've already noticed people kind of looking at things a little different now as far as their attitudes. Mm-hmm. We've Now, there is this attitude, the survivalist thing that we talked about too. But um, I personally believe, okay, look, this is a big one for the, for all of us here. Like we all have something to learn from this. Like how are we going to behave in this situation? We're put on this path. We're all put on this path too, 
right? I mean, this is for everybody now, not mm-hmm. just one person. Um, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to deal with this? And that to me, this yeah. is this is a big piece. Of, this is a big synchronicity right here. I think that we're that we're experiencing. Well, and I think we're going to be uh, we're going to express a lot of uh, some of us are going to express a lot of gratitude for the things that we're missing right now, yeah. and just the freedom to be able to go out and do what we want to do um, and see the people that we want to see. It's definitely cut us off from other people. It's caused us to be more introspective. Yeah. And, you know, truly at heart, I am an introvert. I, I force myself out and I can pretend to be an extrovert when I need to be, but I really do like being alone. And so nothing should have changed for me, but I find that I am craving human interaction and I'm out on my front porch and I'll see somebody walking by with a dog and I won't let him go because I'm talking to him yeah. and I'm yeah. not that person, you know? Um, so I think that we're going to come out of this with a greater appreciation for the things that we that we had before this all happened. And I think we're going to notice the people that were rising above it, the people that are helping other people, the people that are offering assistance to yeah. other people. I think we're going to start to recognize them in the hero aspect that they should have been recognized before. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. A buddy of mine sent me a text earlier asking me how I was doing. He's in Florida. And he uh, sent me a text asking me how we were doing. I'm like, I'm doing great. Do you want to talk on the phone later? And he's like, yeah. He's like, "Uh, you know, anytime after three o'clock. I'm like, sounds good. So (laughs) I'm actually very excited about that to get to talk to him because it just, yeah. I mean, Connecting him with people that you haven't talked to in a long time. Yeah, I mean, Amber Amber and I live together and we have plenty of laughs. We goof around, but, you know. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. Joni, thank you so much for spending some time with us. This has been really great. Um, It was really cool hearing about all this stuff that you're working on. Uh, I'd love to have you back on again sometime. Yeah, I would love to come back on. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Ghostly Talk!